You're listening to Two Guys, One Internet, a Dylan Wallace and Sean Harkins podcast. Do you have a khaki ass? Um, yeah, shit. I can't remember it now. Didn't I tell you? Um, today you said it was me. All right, we're back with episode five, Two Guys, One Internet. Kind of hard to believe we're at five already, but um, we are. So I'm Dylan Wallace. I'm here with Sean Harkin. Sean, tell the people hello. Hello. Sean, how you doing? Doing good. I'm doing uh, doing well. How Still breathing. Breathing's good. Yeah. Uh, week was good. Uh, finished up some stuff at work. It's, you know, the exciting things like that, working and cleaning the house. But I hit the record store and I got uh, Hank Sr., Greatest Hits. Hank Sr. So I've been doing like, old school stuff. Yeah. Are they, are they, oh, okay. Hank Williams Sr. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. If this was some kind of like. Oh, like new, new wave thing or whatever. Yeah. Like Tom Hank Sr. Sr. <laughs> that's a good band name uh yeah that could be the next that could be the next big hit and i'm gonna take a late claim to that but i but i completely get you my my week consisted of the same stuff getting a bunch of stuff done at work and then getting stuff done around the house i guess that's what happens when you get older that's that's the stuff that matters like according i started pulling wallpaper off in the basement that was i was pretty excited about that and uh (laughs) Cause I need to get the downstairs in shape so I can get the kegerator down here for when you come back nice. and I start, start buying Budweiser by the, by the can instead of <laughs> by the, by the case, the, uh, but then my, my highlight of the week is probably that I got eight hours of sleep last night. That was only interrupted once that, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often around here. That's yeah. Wow. That's telling. Uh, was it interrupted right in the middle? It w- well, the only reason I got eight hours is because I fell asleep at nine o'clock, and then Courtney woke me up at twelve and said, "Hey, you fell asleep." <laughs> and I, I know, so, so then I brushed my teeth and I went, went went right back to bed, and then I didn't get up again until uh, Ellie woke up at five this morning, and then she slept on my chest while I laid on the floor and worked on email until six thirty in the morning. Oh wow! Was, yeah, it was fun. It was productive, nice. but I also felt well rested. The, one of one of the things that I th- thought we could start doing in the, in this uh, introduction type segment is start like some quick hitter type things, some um, topics that are recent and in the news that maybe we don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about, but we can but we can bring up. You got anything like that? Um, the only thing I, I could think of was. Um been watching the wings with mixed results they've uh won two in a row here and 
Nyquist is having his best season as a Red Wing, and if you're a Nyquist fan, uh, soak it in because it's probably his last. Well, I, there was an article today that they might not trade him, I, I, I guess, and hold on to him and try to re-sign him, which doesn't make a ton of sense. I like him, but uh, you got to get what you can now since they're no good. How um, old is Nyquist? I think he's 28. Okay, yeah, so he's on the verge of yeah, he's going to get a pretty nice contract, and I just don't think it should be Detroit, be Detroit that gives it to him, especially because he's having the best year of his career. Yeah, I think they need to – no, I, I mean, would would you consider him and Jimmy Howard to kind of be the, the biggest trade chips for the Wings this, this deadline season? Yeah, there's an article in the – I think it was the free press today that – the asking price for both of them is a first round pick, which I think is good. I think it should be, but I think you got to be a little bit flexible on that. And if they don't get a first round pick, uh, Holland is apparently going to just try and resign them both, which makes well, a little bit of sense with Jimmy for maybe like two years, but with Nyquist, I don't know. Unless he thinks that they, well, I don't know about them competing next year i mean if um oh i'm trying to blank on what's the kid's name and and uh, what was the first their first round pick this past draft zadina yeah zadina i mean if if he feels like he's going to be up making an impact maybe with enough young talent between larkin and mantha and zadina and and nyquist that they might be able to i guess they need more help on the blue line though yeah yeah, I the the I agree, and I really like him, and I think he's showing how good he can be this year. Um, so I'd love to if he was under contract for four more years at a reasonable price, I'd say that that's fantastic. But he's gonna just he's gonna cost way too much, I think, and they're gonna have to resign a bunch of these guys in a couple of years. So yeah, yeah, I think I think you're. When's the trade deadline? uh i can't remember the exact date but i think it's like late february okay well i think it's something to come back to in yeah february we'll, we'll maybe we'll talk have a trade deadline type segment yeah uh, so anyways my thought was just if you're uh, a fan of watching gus nyquist play hockey in detroit you might want to pay a little bit of attention right now you might want to tune in before it's you, you miss him yeah what is he playing on the first line yeah, it's been uh, for the most part. It's been him and Larkin t- together for most of the season, and that's another thing too. Is if they lose Nyquist, Larkin's playing really, really well, and uh, a lot of that has to do with I think Nyquist. They're really kind of playing off each other well, and uh, it's been it's been Larkin, Nyquist, sometimes Mantha, and then it's it's kind of been a rotating cast. Otherwise, okay, all right. My first uh, quick hitter is the Lions have a new offensive coordinator. We dumped Jim Bob and uh, hired today Daryl Bevel, who is a a name you're familiar with out in Seattle. He was the offensive coordinator there for seven years, I believe, won a Super Bowl there and lost the Super Bowl there. (laughs) Um, I think he's, I mean, it's, it's got a good resume in the sense that he's been doing it for a long time. Um, then he's, I mean, he got, has that Super Bowl victory, but I think what he's best known for is that where he didn't hand the ball off to beast mode on the goal line 
when the Super Bowl was on the line against the Patriots, which ended up in that interception with Malcolm Butler. Um, I, I was reading that Pete Carroll took most of the blame for that, but I think all fingers were pointing at Bevel for making that play call, so that doesn't leave a real good taste in your mouth moving, moving forward here. But uh, any 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 thoughts from what the Seattle folks had to say about Bevel on his, on his way out of there? Yeah, he – well, I lived in Seattle for a year um, around that time, right before the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. And um, even out in Spokane, they're a big deal. And I would pay a little bit of attention to them, I guess. And he was uh, nobody's favorite guy, that's for sure. Um, pretty, <laughs> I think, universally disliked for his handling of their offense. Uh, but I would also say that those teams were always – so much stronger on defense than offense and the offense relied a lot on Russell Wilson being able to do some, you know, pretty crazy athletic things as much as I don't really like Russell Wilson. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think uh, he was thought too highly about here. Well, when you think about that offense for the large part, while he was there, it, it consisted a lot of Marshawn Lynch and it consisted a lot of Russell Wilson, um, just making plays up as he goes, bre- breaking down the defense, uh, extending the, the the time that he had the ball before he before he threw to a receiver, um, and uh, kind of like that Brett Favre, Ben Roethlisberger, make something out of nothing type type ability, yeah. um, <laughs> which doesn't look real good for an offensive coordinator if that's the majority of your offense. Um, yeah, and he he is run heavy. Um, which, which I mean, the league is trending towards being more pass heavy at this point in time. I mean, the you look at the teams that are vying for um, conference championships right now. They they have a, a, a balanced attack, but I mean, they're all strong passing games. Between Kansas City and Los Angeles Rams are using Todd Gurley in the passing game as well as running the ball with them. So I mean, yeah, hopefully he's able to adapt and adjust and get put players into positions where they can make plays, which Jim Bob wasn't, wasn't able to do. Um, but I'm a little bit unimpressed with the hire. So we'll just see how it goes from here, I guess. But probably more shitty lines is on the horizon. <laughs> Always. Uh, uh, I have one other quick hitter. Um, the king of the transfers, the Oklahoma Sooners, have a new starting quarterback heading into the next college football season, and that's Jalen Hurts. He's transferring to Oklahoma. That was just announced today. Um, their last two quarterbacks, being Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, were also transfers, um, and that turned out okay for them. Kyler's looking at – he just announced that he's going to enter the NFL draft, um, and uh, he'll be a first-round pick. Maybe he'll be around at eight in the lines and take him. Um <laughs> But Jalen Hurts wants the opportunity to be able to play and beat the Alabama, um, right? Uh, what are the, the Alabama what? What are they? Crimson Tide? Yeah, that's it. I was thinking Razorbacks for a second. That's all. Uh, I need, I need Arkansas, Kansas. Yeah. Who called our Kansas? Les Miles, right? Every time I see that word, on paper, I say it in my head that way. Arkansas. <laughs> uh, everybody needs more miles, not less. 
<laughs> the, uh, the, uh, um, but yeah, he wants to beat the Crimson Tide, so he's going to go to Oklahoma and and uh, yeah, I mean he was he he did real well at at Alabama as the starter. A lot of that has to do with the surrounding cast, but he's very athletic, um, and uh, he just got outplayed by by Tua. So it'll be interesting to see how that how that translates with the with the transfer. But it's I know Sooner fans that are excited about it, and I'm sure. Jalen Hurts is excited about it to play with that offense with Lincoln Riley as the head coach there. So we'll we'll see if we get an Oklahoma Alabama championship game next year, which is probably more likely than not, and, and see what happens. <laughs> and any other quick hitters before we jump into our first segment? Um, no. Ready uh, to I do. People, I know people have been waiting for this, so we're going to come back real quick after this with. Uh, a little bit of a kindergarten cop review. All right, we're back and we're ready to talk about kindergarten cop. Arnold Schwarzenegger's top. Oh, what do you, would you say, Sean? Top, top movie. Oh, um, I was thinking about that earlier. It, uh, for me, it's probably Terminator Two, if I'm being honest. But kindergarten cop definitely has a has a special place in my heart. Well, and it's. Kindergarten Cop was directed by Ivan Reitman, who is uh, has a history with Schwarzenegger. I'm trying to think of what movie was was produced first, but I mean he did Kindergarten Cop, but he also did Junior and and Twins, and that's the Holy Trinity. That's the Holy Trinity of of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I don't know how he didn't get Danny DeVito to play one of those kids in the kindergarten <laughs> class, though. Yeah, they could have made it work. I mean, he, he had he had a good thing going. You might could have continued it, um, but uh, I'm I'm sure I'm positive that everybody who's listening to this has seen Kindergarten Cop. But on the off chance that somebody hasn't, can can you give a can a give a synopsis of the movie to those those folks? Um, yeah, uh, first suspend your disbelief. You're going to need a lot of that, but, (laughs) uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a tough work obsessed LAPD officer detective who is, uh, trying to put this, bad guy behind bars i don't even know if you find out really what the bad guy is up to do you i mean like i i i always assumed and i guess i don't really i can't recall offhand but but my my feeling was that it was drug related that he was a drug dealer and uh, his name was colin crisp right colin bad guy name (laughs) and he was he was a drug dealer it, it, it was my take on it. I guess I don't know that. Yeah, he meets that. that guy at the beginning of the movie. He meets the guy in the like shady mall, whatever that is, garbage room or whatever. And, and it seems like a yeah. It seems like the guy is like muling drugs for him or something. So that's that sounds right. Colin Chris, the drug dealer, and Arnold is. Oh, sorry. What? I was gonna say, and Schwarzenegger has a heart on for this guy. I mean, he's he, yeah. like, he's been he's been after him, and he's 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 trying he's trying to pin him on something. Yeah, he's his Moby Dick kind of. Yeah, and he 
finds out that this guy, well, he thinks he's got the guy put away. Anyways, this is a terrible synopsis. And he goes and tries to track down his wife, uh, his ex-wife, the bad guy's ex-wife, because Arnold thinks she's going to be the star witness in his uh, murder trial. And so uh, they, uh, Arnold only knows where this woman is. And so through a crazy turn of events, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of all people, ends up as the kindergarten teacher at a school in tiny Astoria, Oregon, to determine which of the kindergarten kids is the bad guy's son so he can find the kid's mom and make her the star witness. <laughs> it, it's it's all real plausible uh, <laughs> he he know he, he's got this uh, suspect um because he's he's alleged to have committed these crimes and obviously he believes that he did because that's why he's pursuing him he uh he knows the suspect's name knows that he was previously married and had a child with with uh, with the the ex-wife knows where the ex-wife and the child are residing and what elementary school the child goes to, but has no idea what their names are. Well, right, but they changed their names, Dylan. I know, but how do you know where the kid goes to school but not know his name? I mean, was that... Did you catch that in the movie? Like, how he found out what... He, well... Astoria Elementary School or whatever it was? Oh, how they got that info. Uh, yeah. I think he, I can't remember now, but <laughs> I think, so it, early in the movie, um, Colin Crisp kills the guy who tells him where his wife is at the mall. Also, the first, I made some notes while I watched the movie. And the first, <laughs> the first one is, uh, movie opens. Arnold is wearing sunglasses inside a mall. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had he had to go shoot the the, the trailer for Terminator Two while he was shooting this movie, yeah. so he was just he was just getting ready. They opened the movie in a very uh, obvious like linking linking Arnold to the Terminator character, like he's he's that badass guy wearing sunglasses inside. Um, but they, Colin Crisp at the beginning of the movie, sorry, it's, this is going to jump around a little bit, but um, finds out where his wife is from this drug dealer guy who works for him. And he kills the drug dealer guy, but he doesn't know that the drug dealer guy's girlfriend heard the whole thing and was hiding. And so Arnold finds her. And I think he eventually maybe gets her to tell him what the guy said. Oh, I think. I can't remember how they nail down Astoria, Oregon. It could be uh, a plot hole in this movie, and that would be a real shame if there were plot holes in this movie. Uh, I'm sure there's a few of them. The, uh, okay, now, how, how did he become a kindergarten teacher? Like how, like, how was he placed in that role? You- okay, well, here's, here's a big thing, too, that uh, maybe a lot of people don't care about, but he's an L.A police officer and he has a female partner for this uh uh mission they're on and they go to astoria oregon 
where he has no jurisdiction to do anything. And somehow somebody has convinced the um, superintendent of the school district to let him, to let the, his, his uh, partner who was a former teacher, they are going to allow her to teach the kindergarten class so they can determine which kindergartner is, is the one who needs protection. Um, and she's like, she becomes really, really ill and can't do it. So Arnold just shows up and everybody's like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> right. and, and yeah, she had, she got like the flu or food poisoning or something from, from the plane. And then she was, well, she was yakking in the hotel room and then Arnold, right, and was right. like, you got to go. You got to do it yourself. You got to do it, Arnold. Yeah. Right. And then he won the, won the, uh, um, the kids over with his pet ferret. Yeah, that was key. The ferret was clutch. The ferret, uh, also I noticed they, um, show them traveling together him and his partner in the beginning and they're on a plane together and then they're in a car for what appears to be hours and hours and the partner lays down in the back seat to fall asleep and the ferret comes out of the backpack and so it's like <laughs> oh, all of a sudden by the way i have a ferret like 18 hours <laughs> this trip yeah where was that ferret on the plane yeah exactly right, it was pretty 9 11 though it was probably fine yeah i checked him in yeah there was no government uh, shutdown, so <laughs> open season on ferrets that day. <laughs> I guess so. It all right. So I'm going a different direction, just real quick, and we can come right back to the movie. Okay. But Arnold is also associated with the state of California, being yeah. the the governor. <laughs> the uh, interestingly enough, while he was the governor, which was after this movie. The uh, the state of California has a ban on having ferrets as pets. Oh, really? It, they do. And Arnold supported that ban while he was the governor. What a hypocrite. A, a, a little hypocritical there, here, Arnold. The uh, the only reason you won these kids over because of a ferret. Now you're not letting these, these ferrets into the homes of millions of residents who reside in the state of California. He's lost his way. John, a detective John Kimball would be disappointed. <laughs> uh, all right, so he's track. He's trying to track down Colin Crisp's kid, who uh, I think his real name was Colin Junior. The poor, poor boy. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but along the way, he had some good interactions with some of the other kindergartners. Um, what what was your, what was your favorite? Ooh. Oh man, circle back to me on that. I gotta think about that because right, my, that's the highlight of the movie. Basically, is it is it is it's, it's, it's seeing this 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 big, huge specimen of a of a man break down to kindergartner level, and uh, yeah, my my favorite, and I'm I'm probably gonna steal. It's probably most people's favorites. It's got to be the boys have penises, girls have vaginas, kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I learned so much that day. <laughs> That's uh, and he was like far and away the smallest kid in the class too. Yeah, I think his dad was uh, a gynecologist. Yeah, because it was that they were playing the game. My daddy, my name is this, and my or my daddy's name is yeah, this, and this is what he does. Right. Yeah, what, what, 
and uh, and you might be the kind of if you're gonna say it, you got to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> My daddy's a gynecologist, and boys have penises and girls have vaginas. Yeah, yeah. What he says at that point is he says. Uh, he finishes it saying, "My dad looks at vaginas all day." Yeah, that's. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. It's hard to top that. Uh, an underrated one is when the kid is eating all the lunches, and Arnold catches him, and, and he picks him up and he shakes him and he just goes, "Stop it." <laughs> <laughs> that's a personal favorite stop it that was a good impression you did that's better than mine thanks the uh another one is when uh he, he they're playing policeman and there's that little girl she says i'm not a policeman i'm a princess or all right yeah she has some good parts in that when she uh she has to go to the bathroom and she can't get her overalls off or whatever and yeah. panics <laughs> yeah and i think he what goes and finds the uh the love interest to to assist with the bathroom is that isn't that is that what happened yeah yeah and and, and just by happenstance the love interest also happens to be right the kid the guy's the uh the guy's ex-wife yeah colin crisp's ex-wife uh, yeah. Oh, the you know the actress that played um, the love interest, what her name was? Oh no, Penelope Ann Miller. Okay, and I mean she's been in some, she's been in some other big movies like Carlito's Way, um, Adventures in Babysitting, Biloxi Blues, Awakenings. I mean she's she's been, she's been in some. She's been in. She's got a little bit of a resume, but. The thing that I found most interesting when I was doing a little bit of homework for this was, you know who she was married to? No. Will Arnett. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like Will. He was, she was married to him in 94, lasted a year. They divorced in 1995, but I thought that was interesting. He's, he had to be pretty young, I would think. Yeah, I'm thinking like just 25 years ago. Oh man, that's weird. <laughs> right? We were I was we were 10 then, right? Uh 94? Yeah. Yeah. I was 9. Oh, you're young. Young man. Um Yeah, I mean cuz he's he's got to be even if he's 50, which I don't think he is. He was 25. He was born in 1970. Almost fifty. Yeah, forty nine. The uh, but I I digress. So the love interest ends up being being Colin Crisp's ex wife. Will Arnett's ex wife in real life. <laughs> Will Arnett's ex wife in real. Maybe, oh, this should have had Will Arnett be Colin Crisp. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have gone for that. Oh, they missed they missed the calling on that one. Uh, I would have been, no, it was too early. The The movie was produced in 1990. They were married in 94, so. It was, it would have still been a good idea. Yeah, yeah. That could have been Kindergarten Cop too. 
Yeah, they dropped the ball on that. All right, so he, when did he learn that the love interest um, was calling Chris ex-wife? Uh, I'm trying to remember how he, how he puts that together. You need to refer to your notes. I, I, just, <laughs> I just watched it, and it's like uh, I, I think it's one of those things that I've seen it so many times. Have you? Are you uh, familiar with the Big Lebowski? Yeah, uh, I've seen that movie probably ten times, and if you ask me how it ends, I'd be like, "Oh God," because <laughs> oh. not a whole lot really happens in that movie, but you just remember all the lines and all the like weird. Like quirky things, I guess. Right. But the, my my recollection, and it's been I, I've watched the movie recently, but not like yesterday recently, um, and not like last month recently either. But my recollection is that uh, Arnold learned about the connection close in time to when Colin learned where she was at, and it was kind of like a race to. Race to protect, yeah. protect uh, Colin Jr. and his name was Dominic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, was, um, his, yeah. His, his his pseudo name when they were when they were leaving Dad. Right. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember. Um, the witness, the, the woman who witnessed the murder at the beginning dies of an overdose. And so Colin gets out of, uh, he was uh, released from jail and which is uh, okay, I guess. And uh, I can't remember how they figure out that he knew, but they put it together at the uh, like president's day thing on the beach. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, they had like the. Uh, the I, that was. I don't know if it was the President's Day thing. I don't know if it was explained. No, I think it it, it was because I mean they, from the standpoint, the kid that talked about his dad looking at vaginas all day. I think he was playing, he was playing the role of President Lincoln, wasn't he? Dressed up like Lincoln, and then he and yeah, then he, right. he was doing the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. And they figure it out then, and so they tell her about it. And of course, she's upset at Arnold because she got feelings, you know. Yeah, Arnold was like a big time hunk. Also, that's one of my notes. the The moms were thirsty. <laughs> what else did they say about Arnold in that movie? Hey, so one of the here's another great underrated part. Uh, I think it's the first day that he's there. Um, a kid runs into the classroom and goes mr kimball are you married and he says no i'm not and so then the kid yells he's not married mom <laughs> uh, also then they see him walking up to be the kindergarten teacher and, and they they made the comment like oh he, he's got to be gay if he's male doing yeah, kindergarten. Yeah. yeah they say he's gay a male kindergarten teacher he's obviously gay a, a 1990 statement yeah I wouldn't, think go, wouldn't go over. Yeah, wouldn't no. go over as well now. But then he ends up. He ends up saving Dominic. 
and uh, and his and his mom from Colin Crisp, who would make a good uh, cereal mascot candidate. Um, and uh, they live happily ever after, and Arnold adopts them, and they play go fishing and play catch, and we don't we don't well, know any of that, but. You know how the, we do. It's a pretty safe assumption. Um, the, what what we do know happens is the movie ends, and it's uh, at least pretty uh, heavily implied that he goes back to teaching the the kids. Oh. Uh, which I mean, I they skipped a part where he got a teaching degree and a, and cert, uh, certification, um, but I guess it was like. Cool. We'll just let him do it. Hey, the real life experience beats all that nonsense. That's right. He saved the school. All right, I got some. I got some kindergarten cop trivia for you. Oh, okay. We'll see how we'll see how you do. Um, can uh, do you know who else was up for playing the role of John Kimball before Arnold was given the role? I do because I I, I Wikipedia it also. That's all right. Bill Murray. That blows my mind. That would have been a totally different movie, but also a movie I would have watched. But but it makes sense too because Reitman directed him in Meatballs, Stripes, and also Ghostbusters. Oh right. So he had the connection with Murray already, and uh, um, and if you I don't know if you noticed or not, but in one of the scenes in Dominic's bedroom, he's got the whole. Ghostbusters spread. He's got the Ghostbuster sheets and blankets and posters on the wall and stuff. Yeah. Um, another. Do you know any other actors that were that were uh, up for playing the role of John Campbell? Uh, no. Patrick Swayze. Oh, nice. Think about the Swayze doing that. Yeah, what a dreamboat. He turned it down though. Nineteen ninety Swayze. Yeah. That's the good yeah. Swayze. Oh, uh, he would. He thought Arnold had the moms going. Just think if you had Swayze. Right, right on. Uh, another one that did not get the job, Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guess 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 why he was he was uh, turned down. Um. Oh, I don't know. Could be anything, I guess. We'll start with height. It was it was not tall enough for the role of John Campbell. Really, they wanted somebody a little more imposing. They wanted somebody a little bit more hunky, I think. Well, uh, you know, how tall is Arnold? I don't think Arnold is really that tall. He's not, he's not real tall, but I mean, he's got the muscles. I mean, Devito's Devito. I mean, he's like four foot. And <laughs> right, the penguin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. Uh, we already established that the movie was shot in Astoria, which is in the state of Oregon. Can you I can you know another movie that was shot around the same time frame in Astoria? Um, I know Goonies was shot around. I know Goonies was shot on the coast there. Um, so that's that what I was looking guess. for. Goonies. Yeah. Okay. That was it. That the house. Um, that the Goonies was shot in that the I forget the kid's house, but the uh, the Hobbit, um, his house was uh, was just a few blocks from the school that the was used for the kindergarten cop. 
That's kind of random. Yeah. Like two, two of the classics. Here's another random. Elijah Wood was was uh, auditioning as to, to be one of the kindergartners, and he was turned down a role in the movie. Really? Uh, he probably was going to be the uh, penis vagina kid. <laughs> still is. He still is. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Oh, here's uh, here's another fact. I can't really turn this into a trivia question, but. Um... While shooting the movie, Schwarzenegger saw a convoy of military Humvees drive by the set. He met with the executives of the military contractor responsible for the vehicles, and he, he signed waivers so he could purchase one of his own and then, and then assisted in the, um, in the uh, facilitation of making those, those vehicles available for the civilian market. So we have Hummers because of Arnold. Really? That's what the internet tells me. That's what the internet says. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I hadn't heard that. The one other kind of fact I came across, which I can't remember if it was on a Wikipedia page or what, but was that um, there was a chance that they were going to have to stop shooting because Arnold in his contract had a provision that they had to uh, provide a private weight room for him and his people. And I guess they they like figured it out last minute. Because the gym, because the space they were using, I can't remember, became unavailable or something. Oh, poor Arnold. Yeah. Got the brings, pump. Me, brings brings me to the next one. Pamela Reed, she was the actress that played his uh, his partner in the movie who had had the big appetite after yeah. her illness subsided. Yeah. Um, uh, she she had commented that she had a lot of fun imitating Schwarzenegger's accent, and I'm thinking, well, who hasn't? <laughs> Everybody likes to try to imitate the yeah. the, the Arnold. It's like an impulse. The governator. <laughs> she was. She's good. She was good. I thought she, she was. She was really good. And I, and I, I uh, after after reading this, I went back and looked at a clip. She was also in the movie Junior, and she played a pregnant woman who uh, also had a large appetite. So pretty much the same, the same role. She had a good degree. Um, the most memorable scene with her is when, well, first she gets hit by uh, Colin Crisp's mother, who's crazy, and uh, Colin Crisp's mother hits her with her car. And then goes inside the school and there's a scene where she's pretty much, she's about to murder our man, John Kimball. And uh, the partner, what was her name? Pamela Reed? Yeah, well, it's the actress's name. I, I don't remember what Yeah, I can't remember her character's name. Uh, I probably wrote it down. I have to check my notes here. Um, she hits her with a baseball bat and goes, you're not so tough without your car, are you? <laughs> 
it's, uh, Kindergarten Cop is a movie that uh, it seems like, at least, I don't know if this is how it actually happened, but someone just had this idea of we got to get Arnold Schwarzenegger in front of a bunch of little kids and make it wacky. Like he's a serious guy and like make it have him have like wacky interactions with these kids. And then someone was like, well, how do we do that? And they're just like, Oh, who cares? doesn't matter. Like, don't pay any attention to that. Uh, Oh, this is kind of funny. I don't know if it's funny, but it's a neat coincidence. The, uh, the, who does your dad, who's your daddy and what does he does part of that? Yeah. Well, Arnold's daddy was also a policeman in real life. Oh, okay. I think I knew that. He says that in the movie that he comes from a family of policemen. Oh, right. My father was a policeman. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Also, there's that one girl in uh, that part of the that scene in the movie that she's Spanish speaking, and so she she uh, says her answer in Spanish, and Arnold just like gives her the a moving on look. Um, yeah, you know what she actually says? No, my dad works at home and he plays with me a lot. What? Yeah, that's what she says. Oh, weird. Yeah, she was also in uh, Cloverfield and um house that actress huh um kind of okay that's weird uh along those same lines arnold uh as the kindergarten teacher the the mother of i think his name is zachary the kid tells him that zachary's dad is beating him up yeah and i read that one of the one of the things that Arnold and Ivan Reitman wanted to have in the movie was something with domestic violence and child abuse in the movie. They wanted they wanted to make that part part of the uh, part of the plot to bring that to the 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 front. Yeah, it's weird though because it's the age of the mandatory reporter, <laughs> right? So she tells him this, and he's like, he basically is like. Uh, well, I'm gonna let it slide this one time. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Well, I'm not looking for him, so he's in, he's in luck today. I'm looking for Colin Crisp." Yeah, and then of course, so then of course Zachary gets hit again because Arnold didn't do anything. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah. There's a few twists in there. There's a bunch of constitutional violations at the beginning. Um, uh, yeah, I had work anxiety about this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, didn't he did they handcuff a guy to a to a dead body yeah, yeah he handcuffs the the girl the witness at the beginning to the dead body he the first scene where, well not the first scene I guess it's the second scene where he's like still in full Terminator mode he enters this flat I guess I don't know what it is part of a warehouse or something uh it does it certainly doesn't indicate he has a warrant and <laughs> just like shoots it all up so he's kind of a bad cop and a bad teacher it doesn't do the mandatory reporting thing but it's a very lovable movie overall yes and and i one of my favorite lines too and we haven't i don't know how we haven't addressed it yet um is the it's not a tumor <laughs> i mean i said it last week but that's like the line that people who haven't seen the movie know. Yeah, right. 
He says, it's not a Tuma. It's not a Tuma at all. <laughs> That's the full line. Ah, nobody knows that second part. Right. But it's just good. He, um, I'm just looking at my notes here. When he's at uh, dinner with Dominic and his mom at their house, because I don't remember her name. Uh, I think it was uh, Rachel Crisp was her real name. I don't remember. Joyce. Joyce was her. her uh, I don't remember the last name, but Joyce was the uh, the name for most of the movie. Okay. They Dominic, he's at their house and Dominic takes him outside and they go to the woods and he points at the that tower uh, and he's like, you see that? And Arnold goes, you mean the tower? <laughs> <laughs> As much or more so than tumor, it's like the word that he struggles with the most in the whole movie. And luckily he says it like two or three more times. And then he has to rescue. And I forgot this. When I watched this movie as a kid, I remember thinking, oh, man, that kid climbs way up that tower and gets stuck. And uh, how dramatic. And I watched it again. And the kid gets like eight feet up. (laughs) Come on, Dominic. You're not going to save your family from your evil dad. (laughs) Uh, Get with the the day here, Dominic. Dominic! (laughs) Get down from there! Also, this is the first movie that Arnold has spoke German in. Really? I don't know if you remember, but when he's carrying uh, Pamela Reed's character at the uh, hotel after she gets comes down with that illness at first, and he's carrying her to the hotel. Yeah, he speaks, he speaks two lines in German. Oh, really? That's the, that's the first time he's done that. He did that in a movie. You know what he says? Probably no. not because he says that makes me stinking mad. Now I'm mad. <sighs> I think they could have came up with something better. I mean that that line also sounds better in German than it does in English. But yeah, weird. That's weird. Um, I'll just uh, these notes are bad and they just basically retell what happens in the movie. But I did make a note that um. Colin Crisp, in order to, I guess, get his kid, yeah, I, not I guess, that is what he's trying to do, he burns down the whole school full of kids. I forgot about that. I don't know how you forget about burning down the school. <laughs> that's so extreme. That's like, that's like Walker, Texas Ranger level bad guy. <laughs> that's a bad guy move. That, that gets oh, overlooked. If Chuck Norris was John Campbell, Movie would have been over in like five minutes. <laughs> True enough. He would have. Uh, yeah, he would have uh, caught Crisp in that first scene. Give give a leg sweep, knocked him down, handcuffed him, done. And they would have like done that quick cut thing where you see the the leg sweep like four different times from four different angles. <laughs> yeah, uh, it would extend the movie about thirty more minutes, so it would have been a nice episode of Walker Texas Ranger instead of a. Full feature movie, yeah. <laughs> I I watch that show anytime I'm able. Anytime I see that it's on, it was bananas. that show was bananas. The bad guys were always just so obviously bad guys. Like Walker would walk into a bar, and they would just start fighting him just because they're bad guys and he's a good guy. <laughs> those, those 
that's what's wrong with some of these movies and shows today. You don't know who the bad guys or the good guys are. They 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 keep you on the edge for too long. Just yeah, they don't make it as simple. But we got, I guess we got bad guys and good guys hiding in plain sight these days. So you gotta you gotta try to beef up people's education so they can recognize them earlier. There you go. Preach, <laughs> preach. Oh. I just saw this while I'm looking at my notes. You you mentioned the bat earlier that uh, Pamela Reed uses and in, in the in what she she told Colin Chris mom. Yeah. It yeah. Was Don, it was a it was it was a Don Mattingly model Louisville Slugger. <laughs> that's next level trivia. Oh yeah, that's that'll knock somebody out. But not if you're managing, only if you're hitting. Don Manley is not a great manager. But they, I think they should have gave I should I think they should have gave John Kimball role to Danny DeVito. I think that would have taken this movie to the next level. <laughs> it would have been a different movie, that's for sure. Uh, uh, you got anything else on Kindergarten Cop? Oh man, no. Uh I, I don't think so. It's in the personal hall of fame not a great movie objectively but it's one of those movies you have to see um i mean i mean there's a there's a whole series of those in the in the 90s that i we could rattle off right now but i think we want to save some of them for later segments but uh but it's one of those movies where you just gotta you gotta you gotta watch it watch it with the kids um i mean there's some violence um but uh not gratuitous violence the uh, uh but it's one of those movies you just gotta watch it's it's got great one-liners it's it's humorous and and uh i mean the plot holes don't kill the movie right so i mean it's yeah it's one of my favorites when yeah talking, when you're talking about that series of that series of movies um or that classification of movies yeah yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's like, like I said earlier, it's, a, it's a good or at least watchable movie for those few really funny moments, and uh, it's not so bad otherwise that it's like, uh, you know, it, it's worth watching. I'd say that. But don't watch Kindergarten Cop, too. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I can't say that because I haven't watched it all the way through. I'll let you know. I, One of these days, I'll watch no. it. I'll tell you what, I can say it, and I have not watched it at all, <laughs> but it's got Dolph Lundgren, and it's got Bill Bellamy. No. So on, no, it's, no. on the face, it sounds like it should be good. It, it would be good if Dolph Lundgren's character was afraid of the color white. <laughs> like, uh, in the, like in the movie Blackjack, but that's, that, that one, that, that's for Ben Butler right there. Yeah. If you haven't yeah. seen Blackjack, don't watch that either. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it either. So I can't... I couldn't say one way or another, but I think Butler liked it. You know what? I haven't seen Blackjack either. What we'll have to do for one of these is we'll both have to watch Blackjack, a movie we've never seen. <laughs> and, then, and then go and then go through that. I'm down. We'll have to have Butler on again. That, there you go. All right. Well, that's... 
enough of kindergarten cop and blackjack, but we'll come back. We'll come back here after this short break. Who's there? Why did the boots cross the lake? I don't know why. Too small. All right, so Dylan, earlier you mentioned uh, Jalen Hurts transferring to Oklahoma to uh, hopefully, uh, in his mind, win a national title next year. And uh, really the ultimate prize with that is the Big Mac with the orange guy that follows. Well, yeah, Uh, you're going to have a classy meal at the White House. You think it's going to be catered by the, uh, the big three, McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King. Yep. And so, I mean, if you've paid any attention to the news, obviously the last few days, you saw that uh, Trump bought a bunch of fast food for the Clemson football team when they visited the White House. So my question to you, Dylan, is if you were visiting the White House and got your pick of fast food, what would you pick? Oh, shit. Also Uh, that I'm just describing any day because you can just go and get whatever you want. Well, I mean, whatever I'd want every day is probably what I already order because it's fast food. <laughs> it's kind of like you're thinking, you're not necessarily counting the dollars as you're ordering it. But uh, I, I'd have to lead with a double decker taco from Taco oh. Bell. Really? Yeah. All time number one item. Yeah that that would be my that'd be my go to. You got it's filling. You've got the uh, you got the soft outer shell with the refried beans, but you got the crunch of the inner hard shell. Throw some hot sauce on that. Mm. Fire sauce from Taco Bell. Your fire sauce. Guy. I'm a fire sauce guy. Yeah, more of a hot sauce man myself, but I appreciate that. What, what, what would be your uh, your go to item on the fast food buffet? Well, b- before I tell you that. It's funny that you say double decker taco because I have a story about you and double decker tacos. <laughs> Dylan made a uh, worker at the dining hall at Eastern Michigan University basically fall in love with him because you ordered, I don't even know why this was such a big deal to her, but you ordered two double decker tacos and she was just like, You're as broke as me. And you guys like sparked up a friendship basically over the whole thing. Like she was so touched by the fact that you ordered two double decker tacos. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. We, we, I, when we were at Eastern, we'd have, uh, they put like the, the, they call it flex. It'd be money on your identification card that you could use for like, yeah, for purchasing meals and things. And I order, I order those two double decker tacos and she looks at me and goes, Whoa, you got more flex than me. And I was like, you know, you like those double decker tacos, and she was, and she was down. We were, we hung out after that. Yeah, some more double decker tacos. No, we didn't really hang out after that. But. <laughs> well, I can't really do it justice, but it was the most excited I've ever seen anybody over a fast food order ever in my life. There's no oh, question. Yeah, she about was, it. yeah, she was pumped about it, and I was just like, hey, just give me my tacos. <laughs> right. We gotta do some drinking later. I gotta, I gotta get my my belly full so that way. Yeah, I'm sure that had something to do with it before or after. 
Uh, what's, uh, what's, what's your go-to fast food my, buffet item? After much, after much uh, consideration, I'm, I'm also going Taco Bell, and it's a Crunchwrap. Ooh, that was, that was on my list, but, but it wasn't number one. Yeah, Double Decker's probably my top five. My number two would be a, a Big Mac, I think. I like the Big Mac. My, my no, it pro, it'd be my top five. Um, the uh, my number two would probably be a Whopper from Burger King. Oh man, this is where we're starting to deviate. I'm not a Burger King man. Tastes weird to me. Courtney's not. Courtney doesn't like Burger King either. Um, but one of and this is this. I'll, I'll give this to Trump. One of the best meals I've ever had was a Whopper meal from Burger King. And I'm, and it's I'm, I'm talking about ever. And a lot of it has to do with the moment more so than the food. But all right, so here's here's the story. And I mean, most of the people that are listening to this know that my dad passed away. Um, in in uh, I mean about five years ago now in in 2013, but know know that he passed away um, recently, and uh, yeah, but before before he passed away, my my firstborn Jackson was born in 2011. So after Jackson was born, I was still at the hospital with Courtney and Jackson. We've been we've been up, haven't eaten, court trying to get Courtney to eat through the hospital menu and. Uh, just awake for many hours and hungry and my dad comes up to the hospital after after seeing jacks for the first time this is the second time back uh comes and said hey you want to go grab grab something to eat and i look at courtney and she says yeah go ahead so i i hop in the car with my dad we go up to burger king we each order a whopper whopper meal go sit in the in the hospital parking lot and just eating that whopper meal with my old man in his truck Right after Jackson was born, oh, one of my one of my top meals. So that's why that's why Whopper's number two for me. Okay, well that's fair. I can appreciate be, that. It should be number two for you now for that same reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change it as long as I don't have to eat them ever. <laughs> the yeah. meat just always tasted weird to me. That's because it's made with with real dog. Yeah, I mean it's kind of stupid to say that and then say that i like big macs because i mean i'm it's all it's all not real i think <laughs> do you remember a few years ago taco bell was uh taking a bunch of grief because uh somebody did a study or at least claimed they did a study of the meat that they used and it was like less than 50 percent actual meat and i think it was a lot less than that and Taco Bell came back, and this is what was so weird. Taco Bell came back, and they said, no, our meat is 88% meat. So it's like, wait a minute, what's the rest of it? <laughs> and then they sold Crunchwraps for 88 cents <laughs> to celebrate the fact. That, is, that was 88% meat. Yeah, yeah I'm, wor- I'm more worried about that 12% than I'm worried that, than I'm pumped about that 88. Right. Right. So anyway, so I eat that stuff anyways. So I shouldn't complain about Burger King again. <laughs> well, we're all gonna we're all gonna die young because of the shit we put into our bodies. True. 
Uh, oh, another fast food related thing that I thought of here recently because I, I don't even know why. But remember when IHOP for a short term changed their name to IHOB? No. I don't remember that. Was that recently? It was. Um, yeah, it was last summer. Okay. I kind of vaguely remember seeing something about that, but. Yeah, they, they, so IHOP stands for International House of Pancakes are trying to branch out. The only thing, the only reason people go to IHOP for, for one is to eat pancakes. Nobody's going to IHOP to eat anything else. And then they changed their name to IHOB to try to, to, try to branch out and serve burgers. And oh, they, burgers? I, that's what I recall. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. A I thought it was place. House of Breakfast. Oh, oh you're proud. That was my assumption, though. I don't even know. Maybe, uh, maybe you're right. Maybe it was breakfast. But, in anyways, people know you as IHOP. I don't know why you changed your name. I think it. I think you're right. It was breakfast. But they changed their name back like a month later. Yeah, yeah. I kind of remember seeing something about that. I'm not a fan. I'm not an IHOP guy. So there's not really any IHOPs close by here either. So I mean, I haven't really gone there. It's nothing. I don't know. People people like it. it uh, has fans, but back to the fast food buffet real quick. I I saw uh, a friend of mine graduated with us, Andrew Sushek, Andy Sushek. He uh, he. I saw a tweet that he he put out here recently, and he. It was along the lines of, how do we know that the White House just screwed up and, like, didn't have anything lined up? And then they're like, oh, shit, Clemson's coming today for a meal. And then just sent some White House staffers out to all the local fast food establishments and said, hey, we need whatever you got. <laughs> just bring, bring it to the White House quick. It explains as much as anything else. I mean, I, it makes more sense than... You know, he says he's catering the meal. Like, well, cater it with real caters. <laughs> I thought I thought it made a lot of sense. Well, that that kind of explains it. That makes yeah, yeah, it does more sense than somebody choosing to be like, hey, we're hosting the national champion. We're 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 gonna have them for a meal and honor them. Let's just get a bunch of Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King. <laughs> right. Uh, that's the world we live in now. It is. And and I, I had texted this to you. It's, it's like we're getting rapidly closer to that movie Idiocracy where yeah. they where they remove all the like the water fountains and they replace it with Gatorade fountains. <laughs> uh Brondo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that movie's better with rum. Yeah, that movie's not even funny anymore. Uh, it's scary. The uh, all right, what other fast food items? What are your what's your what's your go to Wendy's item when you go to Wendy's? Oh, Wendy's. Um, I don't know. I, I like the junior bacon, just like a regular yeah. burger. I think. Yeah, I, I like the junior bacon too, but it's it's cheap and it. It's good. Yeah, I don't eat a lot of Wendy's. 
Uh, my fast food is usually T Bell. My uh, Wendy's items is the is the spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I might change my answer. That's a good one. Yeah, the spicy chicken is, and it's not something that really any other fast food place offers. Right. So if you're like, so if you're like I want something like that, you're only going one place, and that's Wendy's. Yeah, Wendy's is a weird niche for that because they have Frosties and um, chili. Nobody does this yeah. chili. <laughs> I had, uh, oh, I forget, forget what they call it, but it was like a, maybe like a taco salad at Wendy's. And what they do is they give you like a, their bowl of their chili and some salad mixture and you're mixing the chili in with the salad. It was really good, actually. Really? And I felt better eating it than some of the other stuff that you might eat. Well, it, you're that's a slow transition to becoming an old man, I think. Getting you, you're getting uh chili at Wendy's, but you're only going like halfway with it. Yeah, you're all you're still you still got the, the green, the lettuce in there to make you kind of feel better about yourself. Yeah. Solid is uh I, I would say I also thought about this since we knew we were gonna talk about fast food and I love fast food, you know. Know, typical American way, I guess. <laughs> uh, there's, well, there's two things I wanted to, to, to touch on. One was, I, I would say my rankings are Taco Bell, McDonald's, and then there's a really good local place out here called Delicious, which is, is really good. And then, I don't know if this is fast food, but have you ever had Five Guys? Yeah. That's a good burger, too. So I'd, I'd probably put that up there, too. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, did you go to Lud's when when you were? Oh good? yeah, nice. Lud's used to uh, Alpina Classic. Lud's used to have uh, they have like those twenty five cent burgers. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, kinda. I remember going down there with like two bucks and coming back with just sack full of burgers, and. Uh, just the like thin little patty. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, no, nothing outstanding about it, but right. Yeah, I remember that. I I, I kind of remember that, and I remember they give you a free like kids comb. Yep, torch comb. And we we would get it a lot for uh, Fridays during Lent. We get fish. From Lutz? From Lutz? Yeah. I didn't even know that they had fish. Yeah, they did fried fish. Like fish and fries. Fish and chips. That's smart. I mean, Alpina is a a Catholic-heavy community. So, for times like... Catholic family. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making that public. Hey. Better. Burn's probably listening to this. Yeah, I just want everybody to know that Burn did a good job. (laughs) <laughs> and and you're still going every sunday right uh i mean the thing is is three years at gonzaga i went every day so i kind of banked a lot oh, that, that's right i forgot about that gonzaga was uh that's the way i look at it at least <laughs> well whatever you whatever you can do to justify it to yourself yeah i'm fine with that now back to more important things like fast food yeah. <laughs> right uh all right, so we touched on Taco Bell, Burger King, Wendy's, McDonald's. You said Big Mac was your favorite from from McDonald's. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mine's the same. I mean, that's that's probably the big ones, right? Um, I used to like Arby's when they would do the five Uh-oh. for five thing. Yeah, yeah, the five for five was that was a go-to. I just don't really get it very often, but it's okay, I guess. Yeah, back in those days, it was the Arby's melts for me. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. The ham and cheese was good, too. I don't know if I ever got the ham and cheese. I mean, well, yeah, what else is there, even? But if Butler was on here, he'd be talking about Sonic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably getting all the damn hot dogs he can he can eat. Yeah. Blaming him on his kid. Yeah, right. His son couldn't finish him. Uh, the uh, but at least I know now. I mean, when I when I coach my kids' teams, we would do like a, maybe like a pizza party or something at the end of the year. Next year, I'm just getting a variety of cheeseburgers from all the different fast food places. We're gonna have a a fast food buffet. Yeah, it's a thing now. It's allowed. It's gonna be it. Been you're done. Gonna go, now. You're gonna go to weddings now, and there's gonna just be a fast food buffet. Oh God! You're pr- you know what? I didn't even think of that. Somebody's gonna do that for sure. Oh, you know what? Who's who's uh, who's catering your Wendy? Oh, oh, it's this new place called McDonald's. It's, it's White House themed. <laughs> it's White. Uh, uh, White Castle from the White House. Right. Uh, you got anything fast food related? Uh, no, I'm good. All right, let's end this and we'll move on to our cock ass of the week. All right, we're back with our cock ass of the week. I'm going to kick it off to Sean first. Sean, who's your cock ass this week? Well, let me start with this. Uh, I guess something that kind of flew under the radar, but the Lions are retiring Dominic Rayola's number. I don't know if you saw that. And uh, Are you joking? Is that really happening? And the Tigers are retiring Ramon Santiago's number. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, if you didn't see that, it's because it didn't happen. Because if, And if it did, it would be totally ridiculous because those guys were, I guess, okay for a while uh so but my cock ass of the week is the oklahoma city thunder who actually did something like that and they retired Matt collison's number who is like uh seems like a perfectly fine gentleman i guess i don't know i'm not gonna say anything bad about him but i mean he wasn't a very good basketball player i mean objectively as an nba player he, he averaged less than six points and six rebounds over his career uh, which was spent entirely with Oklahoma City, which good good for him. Have a party for him. Uh, have a bobblehead night for him. Give away Nick Collison T-shirts. That's fine. But they're retiring his number for basically just making the team for 14 years. The uh, I saw this, and I, I have a friend that's uh, that's an Oklahoma City Thunder guy, and and I said, hey, what the what's what's up with this? And he. He defended it. He said, well, how many guys have played? How many years Knicks played for the, the Thunder um, without, and that being their only team? I said, well, probably more than you realize because they're all freaking average. And if it's not like, it's not like you have, 
uh, a superior talent these days staying with the same team for that number of years. Um, but, but he's like, Oh, he's Mr. Thunder. He was, he was the leader of those good teams. I'm like, yeah, but those good teams still didn't win anything. <laughs> I, mean, right. I mean, not, not only was he average, I mean, I think he, I think you texted me that he averaged five points and five rebounds a game or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, not only was he, he average, I mean, he was consistently average. It's not like he had years where he was averaging 10 and five or, or right. 10 and 10 or, or averaging double doubles or anything like that. So not, not only did he not have those exceptional years, but he didn't win anything. Right. I mean, it's not like he went, they won an NBA championship. So you recognize him as being the leader on that NBA championship team. No, you're, you're recognizing him for being consistently average and not leaving. Thank, thank you for right. not leaving. Yeah. The, he, I think there's a decent hockey comparison with the grind line guys who everybody in Detroit likes them. Uh, Maltby and Draper and McCarty. And they were gritty and, you know, did the things that you had to do, which I think is how Nick Collison played, you know, setting picks and getting rebounds and whatever. Uh, so that's fine. And, like, let's fondly remember those guys. But nobody's arguing that their numbers should be retired. Part of the reason is it's an organization that's won something and is, like, taken seriously. The Thunder just makes them they make themselves look stupid with something like that. In well, my well, I, I agree. Uh, but not not only – do I not agree with the retirement from a, Hey, this guy doesn't like deserve it from an accolade standpoint. He's also the first number being retired by the thunder. You want your first number in the rafters to be Nick Collison. I mean, it should be Russ. I mean, if I'm going to think of somebody who's going to, who's on the thunder, that's going to have their number retired that I want to recognize. It's got to be Westbrook. Yeah. Uh, I wonder uh, is that still sour grapes for Durant leaving? Like, see, we're going to retire Nick Collison's number, and this could have been you if you stayed. Well, and I, I, I saw a tweet where somebody said, "Oh, you're going to retire Nick Collison's number." I bet you Durant is next. Kind of being facetious with it, uh, yeah. And uh, and because Durant's not going to get his number retired, but I think that he did a hell of a lot more for that franchise oh, than Nick totally. Collison did. Oh, no question. Um, and it, it got me thinking about some other guys who had are kind of like the similar type career trajection. The, I guess the, one of the comparisons I thought of is Udonis Haslam, who's played the entirety of his career with the Miami Heat. He's had yeah. years where he's been above average, like a, a starting power forward on on a, on good teams where I think he's, I don't know his career numbers off the top of my head, um, but I want to say they're better than Collison's. Oh, I'm almost positive of that because I, I remember way back when I played fantasy basketball, I think I had him, and I think he averaged like close to 10 rebounds for a while. Probably never yeah, his, scored a whole for, lot more for, than like 10 points. But. So for, for his career, he's averaging 7.7 points a game and 6.7 rebounds a game. So Nick's averaging five and five. He's averaging seven and six. Yeah, with some better years, I'm guessing though. With with some better years, I mean, he had um, 
There were, well, I, I guess it's just not a stretch to say Udonis Haslam is a better player than Nick Collison, and they're not retiring his number. No, and, and I mean, 2007, 2008 season, he's averaged 12 and 9. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's respectable starting power right. forward numbers. Yeah. And, I mean, it's dragged down, but, I mean, he's still in the league. He's 38 years old, and he's still playing for the Heat. Is he uh, really? Yeah, he, well, he's only played three games this year, but, oh. I mean, uh, in the last – well, last three years combined, he's only played 33 games. Um, so, I mean, he's dwindling off. But he's also won championships in Miami. Yeah. I mean, so do you, do you think that you think that Udonis Haslam is going to have his number retired by Miami Heat? I mean, if the uh, Thunder GM takes over, I guess there's a shot. But I mean, I, I don't think he should. I think he's probably – more deserving than Collison, but I don't think he's deserving of having his number retired. Oh, no, no. But the, here's here's the one caveat to that, too. I also looked up to see some of the numbers that my, the Miami Heat have retired just to kind of get a baseline for where they're at. They retired Dan Marino's number. Oh, really? Yeah, so who the hell knows? Everything's up for grabs in Miami, but... <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's... I mean... I, I was trying to think of a Pistons guy who was similar. And I kind of thought of Lindsey Hunter. Um, but he played – I mean, he played for other teams. So. Well, when Lindsey was that, that leader too. Um, but, I mean, yeah, consistently average. Played yeah, I mean, the majority of his career with the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, Thunder or cockass. I agree with that. <laughs> All right, my cockiest of the week is none other than the former governor of Michigan, um, recently resigned president of Michigan State University, John Engler. Recently, in an interview with the Detroit News, um, John is quoted as saying this about the survivors of the Larry Nassar assault. Um, I mean, and Larry Nassar is a cockass in his own right. Um, and uh, but uh, this isn't highlighting him. This is what John said. This is what he said about the survivors. There are a lot of people who are touched by this survivors who haven't been in the spotlight. In some ways, they have been able to deal with this better than the ones who've been in the spotlight, who are still enjoying that moment at times. You know, the awards and the recognition. What? <laughs> I mean, he's he's alleging that the survivors who have who have healed privately. I mean, if you can even say that they've healed, I mean, you're talking about receiving justice from extreme wrongdoing that they were that they were faced with. But let, let's we'll, we'll say healed privately are faring better than those who went public with their abuse because they're they're enjoying that spotlight. I mean that's that's just cruel. I mean yeah. it's I mean it's it's victim shaming. It's it's everything that the that the me too movement is opposed to. And here you go, you're you're the you're Michigan State University who um, has been at the the bottom of this pit. <laughs> 
in regards of this the, the NASA investigation, what they did, what they didn't do, um, what they should have done. Your your president um, is is gone because of her failures. You bring in John Engler as your interim president, which when that first happened, I thought, why? Right. I mean, like, what what are his credentials to put to have him be the face of your leadership as you're trying to um, navigate the waters of of litigation and and uh, in and righting the wrongs that were done during this period of time. Um Yes, you bring in you bring in John Engler and and just just the 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 series of events that transpired since he's been brought in. It's just it's just ridiculous. And then he and then he caps it off with that with that quote. And the and if you want to go and look at the interview, I mean, it's it was with the Detroit News. It's all over the Internet right now. Um, It's just very ignorant. and shows no recognition of what these victims faced and what they're faced with today and how difficult it is for victims to come forward. Um, I don't know. Yeah. He's a cocky ass. Yeah, no question. Um, and how many victims were there? It was like over 300, right? Yeah, hundreds of victims. And... All ages, adults, kids. I mean, currently, I mean, they were all the majority of them were children at the times of the of the incidents um, of abuse. Adults now, but they're still child victims as part of this of what's going on now. Yeah. And there's um, so much psychology in that that uh, I'm not qualified to to speak to really, but um, just of people uh, of the fear of of reporting that and it's a real thing and it's a real problem and uh then you have the former governor of the state basically saying these people are are out for themselves out for awards or whatever um certainly not going to make it any easier to stop this kind of thing in the future or to you know someone who is afraid to come forward it's just a real cock-ass thing to say yeah it, uh, and here, here's here's how much of a cock ass he is. So, I mean, this, this is what the capstone was. This is some of the things that he did as interim president of Michigan State leading up to this. He closed the Healing Assistance Fund, which helped uh, Nasser's victims pay for mental health care. He accused Den Hollander, who was the first victim to come forward um, on, on these litigation, of getting kickbacks from attorneys for filing a lawsuit against Michigan State University. He publicly shared medical information of a student who sued Michigan State University for its handling of a sexual assault complaint not related to NASAR. He appointed political allies and friends to key positions, including the head of Michigan State's Title IV office. And he canceled an alumni magazine cover story dedicated to the school's handling of the NASAR scandal, and he replaced it with a question and answer in which he detailed the positive work he had done at MSU since taking over. Most most notably, one of his first moves was he opposed state legislation backed by NASAR victims that would increase the statute of limitations for child sexual assault victims. 
and restrict the ability of governments to claim immunity from lawsuits and deport more mandatory reporters of child sex abuse. Oh my God. Right. I mean, how do you, how, I mean, just that, that last one that I, that I just, that I yeah. just said, I mean, how do you oppose any of that? Yeah. If you're not looking out strictly for yourself. Right. Exactly. That's just on its face. Just obvious. Here, let's, don't care. let's not protect our children. Let's, let's protect our universities and our, and our, and our local governments and the people who run them. No, he's, he's a cock ass. I'm glad he's gone. I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I didn't go to Michigan state. I have no affiliation with Michigan state. Um, but any, I mean, it's connected to our home state. Um, it's just, it's just bad. Yeah. Uh, from, from our children to, to our state. I mean, it's good riddance. You're a cockass. Move somewhere not here. I'll choose that. <laughs> uh, anything cockassery on your on your plate? Uh, don't come to Washington though, either. That would be the caveat. Don't come to Washington. Yeah, don't don't send don't angler, angler to Washington. Yeah, we don't need we don't need angler here. <laughs> That's it for episode five. Uh, Sean and I will be back next week. We're going to review Arcade Fire, the Canadian, what would you call him? What kind of, what kind of music would you call him, Sean? Um, I don't know. Just rock music, I guess. I uh, kind of like to keep it alternative rock. Yeah, the, sure. There you right, go. We'll go with that. We'll talk about Arcade Fire. And then we're also, as Sean and I are getting, older here we're recognizing our bodies aren't uh recovering the way they used to and uh, slowly turning into old men and sometimes it's quicker than than we'd like so we're gonna talk about some of the old man issues as we're as we're aging here uh for example i played basketball the other night and i'm still feeling it that's rough man it is it sucks getting old um, and then we also are going to have the Super Bowl to look forward to. So we'll probably talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, but I'm not, I don't really care for any of the teams. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. Yeah. I, and I have been paying very little attention, but I dislike Brady and Breeze. So I'll just, uh, I can just, uh, gripe about them, I guess. So do I, why don't they have these old man problems? They, eh, they probably do. They just don't. They just don't complain about them. <laughs> they got to be like eighty years old combined. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, pretty close. They got to be close to that. Oh shit! All right. Well, that's all I got. You got anything else you want to wrap up with before we look forward to episode six? Uh, no, we covered it. Sweet. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to Two Guys, One Internet. Later.